0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab number three eight eight four, Monday, March 26th, 2012. <laughs> The Mac Observers, Mac Geek, uh, the show where you send in some questions, you send in your tips, we provide some tips of our own, and together we all learn something new each time we come together. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in quite windy Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. It's a pleasure to talk to you again,
1: John. How are you? Likewise. And I protected myself from such windiness. I found some great stuff, man. <laughs> Great stuff is great stuff. (laughs) You told me about this. Yeah. I spent the weekend. uh, It's a sealer from Dow, but it it seals all those nooks and crannies in your house that are uh, not sealed. Yeah. No, I had a blast. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Just don't get it all over yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I found out it it sticks to many things like skin and uh, like everything. (laughs) But I also got a sander as a gift. So that that was another good thing. You could sand it right off your skin there, John. Uh, well, I sanded it off of uh, other surfaces before I repainted them. Oh, but, I see. Uh, but yeah, if you if you got cracks in your uh, if you if you got open spaces,
0: this stuff is just amazing. So, um as far as the show goes, I, I hate to New veer days. us off this uh this this topic that we've got <laughs> and <here. the> <laughs> tangent. Yeah. Uh so Rain me in, brother. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about backups. Uh, we've also got some cool stuff found that we'll do at the end, but, uh, you know, world backup day is on Saturday, March 31st. And so I figured that is as good an excuse as we need to do a little bit of a deep dive on backups. It's something we, we always uh, talk about. We certainly refer to, but, uh, but it's been a while, John, since we've done a real kind of deep dive, explaining all the different types of backups that are out there. And then, uh, and then after we talk through each of the different kind of backups, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll tell everybody, you know, kind of what we use. And again, some of this stuff uh, will certainly be a rehash for longtime listeners, but not all of it. We haven't gone through all of this before, at least not in this way. And I've, so I figured, with World Backup Day coming, and of course it comes every year, but but uh, this was as good an excuse as any to uh, to go through this. So, I'm uh, with you, especially for new users, you you
1: some people may not even know that they should be making backups. I that's mean, true. You By your when you buy your Computer or iDevice. Uh, I don't think they always
0: tell you that bad things may happen. That's right. Right. So maybe the first question is. Well, actually, actually, before we before we dive in, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, I want to talk about our first sponsor for this show. Sure. And that is uh, VMware. It's a new sponsor for us, VMware with Fusion Four for the Mac now. Fusion four allows you it's virtualization software. And what that means is it allows you to run windows applications right side by side alongside your Mac applications. Uh, you can do this in a variety of different ways. It's really flexible. You can run windows and see windows and, and interact with it in a window, or you can actually have windows running full screen on your monitor or on one of your monitors. Uh, but your Mac stuff still runs right there. It's not uh it's not completely taking over your machine. It's it's really it's an application. And within it, it virtualizes a Windows environment. Uh, it can also virtualize other things. It can virtualize Linux. It can virtualize other installations of appropriately licensed Mac OS 10, uh, which really means Lion and uh, and later. But uh, but you can you can have a, a great little test setup of uh, of a Lion install right inside VMware and run your stuff there. And test things and and it's all inside that little box and it's not going to escape out of that little box uh, and and keeps it kind of safe and secure for you to test stuff out. So great for for developers, great for uh, anybody doing any really any web uh, website building is it's fantastic for because you you can run all kinds of different operating systems right there on your Mac and test different things and test different browsers without screwing up all your settings. So you could actually use it. It might really be a great thing for every listener to this show with all the crazy stuff, John and I recommend, uh, you could set up a Lion installation underneath VMware and then go out and test all this stuff. But, but most part, uh, people use it to run windows stuff. Uh, and it brings your Windows programs to Launchpad. You can use them in, in Mission Control. And like I said, you can use them in Lion full screen mode. You can switch between them using your Mac gestures. Uh, it's really designed, uh, like I said, it does all this other stuff, but it is designed to give you the best Windows experience as possible on, on Lion. They've lowered their pricing down to $50, actually $49.99 US. And then on top of that, we have a coupon code for you. And the coupon code is M G G as in Mac geek gab. That gives you another 10% off. So, uh, so you can save another five bucks on top of your, um, your 50 bucks there. So it's 45 bucks for, uh, if you use the coupon code, you go to VMware.com slash Mac and use the promo code M G G. And that gives you another 10% off. So go ahead and check it out. We're uh, very happy to have VMware on board and, uh, and, Go check it out at VMware.com/slash Mac. All right, John. So you, you had the first question that we were going to ask about these backups here. And uh and what is that question?
1: Well, the question to me, so again, if you if you buy a Mac or other i device, uh for mostly Mac, I think we're gonna focus on here. But why would you even need to make a backup? I mean, shouldn't uh, you know, I'm being kind of naive here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> kind a good question to ask. Vamping for you here, but uh, why would you even need a backup? I mean, you know, my data is saved on my hard drive. I see it every day and um so, Yeah, what, what, okay. why, why so question number 1, what what would co- why would I want to make a backup? Or, or I guess the Opposite thing is what bad things could happen that would require me right to take advantage of having a backup, which is basically a copy of my data that is
0: elsewhere. That's right. And so so John is leading us into something that we've we've prepped a little bit here, uh, more than a little bit, actually. And and so uh, I'll I'll kind of kick us off, John. There's there's two things that you're worried about losing uh, with if you don't have a backup. Right. You're putting all this data onto your computer. Number one, you can, it's a valid concern to worry about losing your data. That's kind of the obvious concern, but there's a lot of data that you could recreate if you had to. Um, For example, uh, if you had a a document that you had written, you could rewrite it. You don't might not want to want to do it, but you could, if you were coding a project, you could rewrite all that code. Right. Um, but then, of course, there is data that you can't recreate, like a picture of an event. That event happened. You took the picture. If the picture gets, uh, you know, if, if your hard drive dies or something happens and, and that that picture has gone, you've lost it. Um, and then there's then there's another type of data that that's important. And that is the whole setup of your system. Again, stuff you could recreate, but you don't want to have to. And what I'm getting at here is, yes, you're worried about losing data. But almost as importantly, you're worried about losing time. You've invested a lot of time into building your data, but also just setting your Mac up. And so we're going to talk a lot, a little bit about this, but I want everybody to remember that time is just as important as the data that exists out there because that backups, if you, if you do it right, your backups can actually save you time. If you do it wrong, you can have your stuff all backed up and have it still cost you a ton of time if you run into a problem. So that's uh that's kind of the two big things. Any anything else out there, John? That uh, that we should mention before we before we move on here.
1: Well, I guess uh, some of it. Uh, I don't. Well, I don't think it's theoretical, but I guess what could possibly cause my data to disappear or go away? And sure. Maybe that's that, that's a few things. Uh, again, some yeah, of go. it may be basic for a lot of the listeners, but some of it may not be. So one could be just. Uh, I'll toss this around, but one could just be human error. All right. So I have a document open and I'm fumble fingers and I, you know, I mess something up and I save it. And all of a sudden, a lot of like, as you pointed out, Dave, a lot of work that I did all of a sudden disappears because I I made a mistake. So you say
0: backups uh, can save you from yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah. Is that you, you you may accidentally uh, delete some work that you've done and, and you'd like to go back to a point in time where, you didn't. Yeah, right before you, you did that. Yeah. So one could be what what we like to call operator error. That's right. In the you know although you have the best of intentions, you hit the wrong key, and all of a sudden you've just uh, clobbered a whole bunch of work, and you're like, oh gosh, what do I do now? So so I would say that's one class, uh, one situation where boy, I'm glad I had a backup. Another one is the fault of computers and hardware in general. Right. And that even though computers are really awesome, we all, you know, if you're listening to this, obviously you're using one. The thing is, uh, a lot of the storage technology is physical and over time, and you and I have said this, but we'll say it again. It's not if your hard drive will fail or whatever medium you use. It may not be a hard drive. It could be flash memory. It could be any sort of memory. Is that it's not a matter of if it will fail. It's a matter of when it would fail. That's right. Mechanical drives will eventually fail. Uh, they typically, a lot of them give a <clears throat> lifetime after which they don't guarantee they'll work. Uh, same with memory cards. A lot of memory only has a, you know, a certain lifetime where after a certain amount of time, it's not going to work anymore. It's yeah. going to break. So, um, so that's the thing is whatever you're storing, uh, wherever you're storing your data, just assume it will eventually fail. And if you go with this assumption that makes
0: this, uh, you know, this conversation relevant. Okay. So, so let's talk about what I'd like to offer my definition of a backup, John. Uh, Sure. And to me, a backup has three uh, key elements to it. Number one is that it's automated uh, because if you're not automating it, it is up to you to screw it up. Right. And you have to remember to do this and 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 we as humans we we're trying to save ourselves from ourselves as one of our points of the backup, so it's got to be doing it automatically on the computer. number two okay
1: I, I'll, I'll, I'm with you on that okay. because yeah i I wouldn't want to rely on my remembering when to make a So I agree with you. a, a good okay. backup strategy
0: involves automation right uh, number two, it's got to be verified, meaning the computer's going to make a backup of my data, and then it's going to check what it backed up to make sure. That we actually have a valid copy of this data as opposed to just beaming it off to some other destination (laughs) and then saying, yeah, I'm sure it's good. (laughs) Just go ahead. and, Yeah, we'll we'll assume it's good until we have to test it. Right. (laughs) Uh, Or in in X-Files terminology, trust
1: no one. Trust no one. And and I'm being serious. Do not trust. Just because some device said, yeah, I backed up that data for you. Don't necessarily trust that it did it properly because it
0: may not have. And Good then point. and then number three, and this is going to sound really obvious, but but it, it's 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 really important. The data has to be restorable just because your computer is backing it up and confirming that it's backing it up. If you either can't or don't know how to extract your data from that backup, it is useless to you. So so some of this is user training. And and I, I everyone out there, myself included, We all need to go through a dry run on our backups before disaster hits, right? Practice restoring your data so you know what happens, so that when you get into panic mode and realize, oh crap, I just lost some of my data, going to get it from a backup is not some process of learning how to get it from the backup and then trying to find it. Know how to do this ahead of time. So those are the three things, automated, verified, and restorable verifiable I guess if I'm going to use my proper tenses here automated verifiable mm. and restorable that's to me a backup any any, oh. any
1: yeah oh, no that's a good point actually you know you bring up a very good point so for example just jump ahead a bit I'm sorry but uh, for example people use time machine and well you see time machine do its thing and and you see little little cursor spinning and you think oh well it's done yeah I'm cool but actually I I got to admit that the first time I tried to restore it uh it wasn't quite as straightforward as i thought so now you bring up an excellent point that you should always with any backup solution go through a trial run of bringing the data back because number 1 you may identify faults in the method or mechanism that you're using yep and number 2 yeah you you don't want uh, the first time you try to restore data is not the first time you really, really, you you don't want it to be the first time you really, really need it because you may have found out that you may have overlooked something. That's so right. no, that, that excellent point, because I, I've seen this happen yeah. where, where people oh, have set up backup systems and they're like, Oh, well, yeah, I got a backup. Oh gosh. I, 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 more. I, I, I i i I didn't know that i I missed this option and I can't restore what I thought was
0: being backed up. uh oh, and then you're in trouble when i when I was doing consulting, I would say that eighty percent of the backup related service calls that I did were going out and helping someone restore data that they needed from this backup that they implicitly trusted. It's like, wait a minute, if you don't know how to get data off there, how is that your backup? You know, when you need to pay me a hundred bucks an hour to figure out how to get your data, that's not a backup. That's a Hail Mary. <laughs> you know, that's not that's, You're not gonna well, like get, I
1: said, yeah. I said it once. I'll say it again. Trust no one. Trust no, no one. Always, yeah, you yeah. should always. uh We'll touch on it again, but you should always go through once you've done any sort of backup procedure, you should yeah. always step yourself through it and try to get the data back. Just uh, or, or at least look at it and say, oh, OK, what I thought was being backed up has been backed up and then, yeah, try try a, a trial run on the restore to make sure you can restore it. All right. You mentioned yeah, you, you, you don't want the boss to come along, whoever the boss may be, whether it be your, your <laughs> an executive or your significant other saying, Oh, Oh,
0: you couldn't restore the data. Go. So you mentioned time machine and, and that's a great next thing to go into. Now, uh, time machine, let's just, Kind of go through the basics of it. What it does by default, uh, unless you go through uh, great machinations to change this, it backs up every hour uh, incrementally, whatever was changed in the last hour. And then first Mm -hmm. it does a big, a huge backup of everything because it has to start somewhere. And then it backs up every hour. Once a day, it archives off the previous day's hours into just one day. And then once a week, it archives off the previous week into the previous days for the week into one week. And then it does the same monthly and it keeps monthlies until you run out of space. Um, It requires an additional hard drive as a destination volume. So you can't um, it requires a different volume. You can't back up to your your local uh, drive, nor should you, because if that fails, then you'll have a problem. That can be an internal drive. It can be an external drive. It can be a network drive. And we'll even talk about it being something uh, even further away than a network drive. Uh, And to restore, you get to copy your files back to another drive. Um, To me, John, the pros of Time Machine are that it is automated. It is incremental. It is easy. And for anyone running 10.5, so Mac OS 10 Leopard or later, it is free. The cons are. You can't boot from this backup. And we'll talk about some of the The next thing we'll do is talk about why you might want to create a backup you can boot from. Uh, it does require 10.5 or later, and it is not verified. So there is no verification process in Time Machine, which is sort of crazy, but it is the way that it works. Well, let me interject here, because
1: if I hold down the Alt-Option key and I click on the Time Machine icon, In my menu bar, at least on this machine here, it says verify backups. What is that
0: doing? It's lying to you is what it's doing. Uh, (laughs) it, It does not verify the data integrity of your backup. What it's doing is it's doing a file system check on your backup volume to ensure that there is no file system corruption on your backup. So it's like verify disk in disk utility. That doesn't mean that your data on your disk is what you want. It just means that your disk can be read from... And written to successfully. It's a liar.
1: Right? Okay. So what you're saying, though, so verified backup is, uh, so some backup systems can look at the data and make and And compare it. Well, either compare it to what's on the drive that it backed up from. Correct. Or either look into itself and make sure that it itself is not corrupted i guess by a checksum or crc or something
0: like that i guess right yep that's right that's right
1: okay and,
0: and all right and well that could take uh well yeah we're good a long time right it could <laughs> oh yeah 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 all of this stuff comes at the cost of time
1: and that's then it's right. comparing basically everything that's in the backup to everything that's on what it was backed up from
0: so yeah you could imagine it would take as long as doing the backup right yeah just about yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, okay. A- anything more on, on time machine? It's good. It, I mean, it's it's easy. The nice part about time machine is if you're not already backing up, you can go out, buy a hard drive, plug it into your Mac. Your Mac will come up and say, hey, I've never seen this hard drive before and it's empty. Would you like me to use it as a time machine backup? You say yes. So two steps. One, plug in the hard drive. Number two, say okay or say yes and then you're done. That's it. You now have a drive that is fully configured to back your system up with time machine. So that that is not to be overlooked, right? I mean, that's huge. It's better than it is, exists oh, anywhere to me, else. To
1: me, the introduction, and I think this was groundbreaking when Apple did it, and it still is, is that it introduces, because as we mentioned, most people won't think of backing up. So this kind of forced the issue in that when you get a Mac, and I think, if you plug in a drive, as you pointed out, it's going to say, hey, you want to use this for time machine backup? And maybe people don't quite know what that means. But just say yes. Uh, I I see few downsides to time
0: machine, though. Maybe we'll we'll.
1: Yeah, there there are some. Well, I do some. Well, I do have some downsides the, to it, but there are we'll no downsides. Later.
0: There are no downsides to using it, but there are some caveats and, and some holes that will fill with with some other things. In fact, let's let's move on to the next thing. So. Uh, there are two pieces of software that you and I use equally, and that I use one and you use one <laughs> and and that is uh super duper and carbon copy cloner and What these do in a nutshell is solve that problem of the time machine non bootable backup uh, and and that is they make an absolute clone of your uh, of whatever drive you point them at i think uh the, the, you know general common practice is that you use it to clone your boot drive and 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 here is where we get back to saving time let's let's walk through two possible scenarios John uh, let's say you have your hard drive and it's the middle of the day and you're working on it and suddenly your hard drive crashes to the point where it is not going to come back now uh, in one scenario you have a time machine backup well, that's great. You have all your data over there. What you're going to do is you're going to uh, replace the hard drive in your computer with another hard drive. And then you're going to uh, install OS 10 or begin installing OS 10 on that drive. And through that installation process, usually once you get OS 10 installed, the first thing it says is, OK, now we've got OS 10 installed. Do you want to restore uh, your drive, uh, your data from a backup? Or do you want to, uh, you know, just start from scratch or use migration assistant and you can say, ah, I want to restore from a backup. And then you get to wait while all of your data and preferences and all that stuff are copied from your time machine over to your computer. And the the net result of this is you're back in business after, you know, many hours of uh, some of interacting and many of just waiting for your computer to uh, to finish. Scenario number two. It's noon. uh, You've been working on your computer all day and your hard drive crashes. But in this case, in addition to your time machine backup, you have a clone. So what you do is you reboot your computer from the clone and five minutes later, you're working again. Wow. One of them saves you a lot of time. Now, a clone doesn't have the incremental backups that we talked about with time machine. Right, John? So if you delete a file from your drive and then you clone the drive, you don't get to go back three days ago and, you know, extract your, uh, your, your file that you deleted or that you edited and screwed up. Right. So, so there is a reason to have both, but that clone can be a really valuable time saver. So that's, yes. yeah.
1: And one thing, uh, so a few things I want to mention here. Hmm. So how may you ask yourself, do I get to boot from this clone? Because just plugging a clone drive into your machine may not cause the machine to look to it first for something to boot from. So just going to offer a couple of tips here. So number one, this is something that is on pretty much any recent Mac and it's called the startup manager. And if you haven't heard of it, I'm going to tell you Well, we're going to, of course, link to an article in the show notes. But how do you invoke the startup manager? Well, when you start up your Mac, hold down the option key. What that tells the Mac is, oh, by the way, look to any port that could possibly have a hard drive. And if there's a hard drive that's bootable, show it to me. And it's going to show you all of them. And after a while, you can then select the one. Uh, So a little tip here, you may want to, uh, I don't know if you want to name it differently. I mean, the thing is, it will visually identify different drives here. So if it's an internal drive, it'll look like a little hard drive. If it's a FireWire drive, it'll have an icon with a FireWire icon. And I think if it's a USB drive, it'll have that. So you may be able to tell. Because I, I think often if you back it up, it'll have the same name. So you no, may not be able to tell the difference.
0: Not necessarily. I, I think I, I okay. certainly super duper. And I think even carbon copy cloner uh, will both allow you to have drives of two different names and still oh, clone okay. from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point, though. It is good to name it something else. Um, well, I'm just saying visually.
1: You, yeah. yeah. If if you can't tell visually, you may not know especially if you have multiple boot devices. So that's right. Number one, the, the startup manager, again, hold down option is the thing. Uh, the other one of course, is if you go into system preferences and in the system section, you will see startup disc that shows you all the drives that are eligible to be startup discs. That's the other way you can select the drive to boot from. Yep. So just want to mention that. So once you've created this thing with that, and yeah, I think you mentioned Dave, I like carbon copy cloner especially when I do like when I did a SSD review recently, Oh boy, you bet I (laughs) packed up (laughs) my hard drive using carbon copy cloner to the SSD because I wanted an exact total duplicate
0: of all the data. So I I could do a comparison. Yep. So, uh, and and what's cool is of course, when you're doing the clone to your SSD, it's copying everything because nothing was there. But, uh, but both of these uh, packages allow you to do something that's, an incremental copy, whereas it, if I, if you have it scheduled and they can be scheduled, uh, if you have it scheduled to back up once a day, uh, it's going to update your clone uh, with all the files that have changed, but it's not going to recopy everything. So if you've got big files that are just out there and unchanged, it can, you know, do a smart update and be very, very quick about it. Uh, So that, that's really handy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I haven't, you know, and actually I haven't used it for the only thing I've really used it for is I want to make a total accurate duplicate of this drive so i can use it uh to boot from
0: ah uh, well then i then then i'm eager to to jump to the end but we won't uh, and explain what our backup <laughs> strategies are no because we well i will i bet we're going to learn stuff from each other so that's that's uh, that's what we're that's what we oh, i got those two.
1: Oh, i i, I got a, a list i'll surprise you with it okay so good I don't, I don't know if i'll surprise
0: you but yeah i have my yeah.
1: strategies as well
0: yeah good Move um on. OK, so so that's super. duper, And the clone can be handy because if you need if you need to go get a file off of it, it's just I mean, it's just a drive. It's very easy. You don't need any special software. It, you know, restoring from it is cake. So that's uh, that's super duper and carbon copy cloner. The one of them is free carbon copy cloner, I believe, is free still. And uh, um, it, super duper is sure. Well, it's is. it's donationware. OK, super
1: duper is 28 I strongly- yeah, and I strongly encourage you to toss some money to carbon copy cleaner guy because, well, I have, but uh, yeah. So so it's donationware.
0: Cool. Uh, and then lastly, kind of in in this realm of local backups, uh, I want to mention ProSoft's Data Backup Three, John. Uh, it it allows you to kind of do everything we've already talked about. Uh, you can do bootable backups. You can do versioned backups. It's extremely customizable but it's also really easy to use. When you launch it, it's got a bunch of different uh presets that you can choose from. But if you're a geek like me, uh then you can also go in and totally tweak the stuff. Um and it's 60 bucks, 59 bucks from com. So it uh and it it can do verified backups like I said. It, it can kind of do it all. So it's uh it's not a bad place to go if you uh if you need a little more control over your, over your backups than just simply using say time machine and, and carbon copy cloner. All right. Now let's move. We, so we've, we've talked about backups at home, John. Now let's talk about the cloud and, and, Mm. and, and for, for simplicity purposes, I am going to define the cloud for us. And, and the definition that I think we can agree on for the cloud, at least for these purposes, John is, uh, the cloud is simply some server somewhere else that someone else manages.
1: Mm, I think I'm with you on that. All right. How how about a cloud backup is is a backup that is not physically connected to your computer? There you go. Well, okay. Because the ones we mentioned, Carbon Copy Cloner and, and on yeah. all of these pretty for the most part require you to have a drive that's connected via firewire via usb via eSATA, or whatever crazy uh thunderbolt
0: yeah but we're also going to talk about network storage and that's not Ooh. connected to your computer but it's also not the cloud so for the cloud i want it to be somewhere else
1: okay actually you know i'm with you and, and we'll call it nas but i would say that's kind of in between that's right it,
0: it, it's a local cloud uh, yeah that's right so we're talking about the the cloud that's far away now uh a quick rundown: the pros of cloud backups. As I see them, John, it pre- protects against fire or theft because the, the the data is not local to you. So presumably, if if your house or office is is vandalized or or burns or whatever, uh, that's not going to also happen to the facility that's storing your data in the cloud. Uh, you don't need to buy a destination drive, uh, and you can backup from any location with internet access. Now the cons get pretty obvious. Number one, you need internet access, and and it's good to remember that if you have a one megabit per second upstream, if you're going to back up 100 gigabytes, <laughs> that takes you 10 days straight, not 10 days, three hours a day kind of thing. 10 days. I start now and the backup soaks my upstream for 10 days. So that's a long time um, and is worth it, worth remembering. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, I'll mention what I've seen is actually a lot of
1: these guys that offer the cloud backups and and some of the other backup services, what they will do, recognizing the very valid point that you brought up, Dave, they'll say, you know what? For your initial backup, we'll send you a drive. Yeah. You do a clone, like we just mentioned, you clone your data to this drive, send it back to us via US mail or whatever parcel service, and we will start you off with that because yeah. we realize that for the most part at least in the United States upstream bandwidth sucks <laughs> I'll be honest upstream bandwidth is something that all of the guys control and like you brought up Dave it it it's it, it's nowhere near the speed that you would need to get a backup uh, I mean it's it's way below what you're going to see on your local network so absolutely it's a con but again I see these guys um filling in the gap here by saying We'll send you a hard drive. You back up your, your content to this, send it back to us. And that will be the starting points. So and then at that point, you're going to be doing incremental backups
0: and not a full backup. Because, yeah, it could take days or weeks or maybe months, depending yeah. on how much data you have. Yeah, definitely. They call that they call that process seeding. So uh, if you're if you're researching this stuff, that's what that means when they offer seeding. If you, you know, some places they make you buy a two year contract and then they will do free seeding and that sort of thing. So just um, there you go. Uh, And they do, you know, most cloud backups have monthly or annual subscriptions and you want to be aware of security. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but, uh, but remember your data is being stored uh, somewhere else by someone else. And so you want to be aware of how they're going to deal with that. Um,
1: I think the advantage of the cloud also, and this is a, a, just the concept I want to plant here is with backups. As with many things, you don't want to have what we're going to call a single point of failure. So for example, we mentioned a number of programs you can use to back up your hard drive. The problem is if you have all your backups in a single closet in your house and you get hit by a meteor or there's a fire, everything is lost. So one of the advantages of a cloud backup in addition to being, is because it's not physically in the same place where a disaster could strike. So keep that in mind is because I, when I did the enterprise thing, we definitely had this as a backup strategy. We would have very physically uh, separated locations for backups. Sometimes we would have them in, in separate cities. So you bring one backup to this city, one to this city. And if something terrible happened, you, you so were covered. Just want, yeah. Just want to plant that seed is that if you want to have a serious backup strategy, you may want to drop a backup off with a trusted individual. That's not next door. I, in case I it, again,
0: there's a fire or something.
1: Terrible I, happens. I have
0: a cool solution for that. That somebody Go. offers that we'll talk. Well, that we'll talk about in like Great. I don't know five minutes. We'll get there. Uh, so, but but there's two types of cloud backups, as I see it, John. There's immediate and timed. Immediate backups means something is always running on your Mac and it syncs as soon as a file is created or changed or touched in any way. That's immediate backups. Then there's timed backups like time machine or data backup or any of these others where it happens on a schedule and you're updating data at your schedule and then the backups happen whenever they choose to happen. It's just saving out to the cloud instead of doing it locally. Now in the timed backup realm, uh, sorry, in the immediate backup realms, that's what I mentioned first. Uh, our two favorites here that we talk about all the time are Dropbox and SugarSync. Uh, they both, in a very general sense. And of course they'll both yell at me for, for lumping them together, but they basically <laughs> do this. No, they basically do the same general concept. There is data on your Mac uh, or windows machine or Linux machine. Uh, and, and these programs watch a folder or series of folders. And we'll talk about the differences and how to pick whether you want to use Dropbox or sugar Uh They watch these folders. And as soon as a change happens, they immediately begin the upload. Uh, now, Dropbox basically works on one folder uh then you can then put subfolders underneath that. Uh SugarSync is way more flexible than Dropbox. It allows you to pick different folders on your Mac. Uh with Dropbox if you've got one if you've got one Dropbox account linked to three different Macs, uh by default it's just going to sync all your data everywhere. Whereas SugarSync, you get to Uh, you can have a folder on one Mac that only syncs with the cloud and a folder on another Mac that only syncs with the cloud. And then you can have a separate folder on each of them that syncs with each other, but they don't all have to sync everywhere. Um, And really uh, if we were to compare the two sugar sync beats Dropbox in every way Uh, with Dropbox, you get two gigs free sugar sync. You get five Uh, far more granular control over everything. There is one Place where dropbox beats sugar john and and that is that dropbox was first out of the gate and everybody already has dropbox most people already have dropbox and so if you want to share data with others which they both let you do uh dropbox is sort of a necessity and i think i've i've said it on the show before john i use dropbox to share with everyone else i use sugar for my own stuff but we'll get into what we use down the road but that that's really the kind of the thing They're They both have freemium models. So you start with some free storage and then you can, you can add more um, by paying for it. Yeah. Thoughts on this, John?
1: Pretty much. No, like you, I, uh, Dropbox was my first love. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, I went to a show and I met SugarSync and they were like, Hey, we'll hook you up with a, you know, free account. We'll give you some extra space. And, uh, you know, so you think, and and yeah, I I, I think the biggest difference is that they offer, like you said, a deeper level of granularity, in that I can sync content from different machines. Whereas Dropbox, I think, is more like a group thing. Yeah, SugarSync uh, again gives you so I can say on this machine back up this folder, on this machine back up this folder, and I think I think Dropbox will let you do that, but it's it's not quite as clear how to do that with Dropbox. So
0: yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's just not part of its. It's it's make model. It's model. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now I w- no, I they're, point- they're both,
1: they're both great. They're both great. They're both, uh, as I found reliable, um, mm-hmm. they both, uh, and the, the other thing they both do, I think is they, they both keep track of, uh, and to, to what we mentioned before, which is important with backup is that if you accidentally delete something, uh, based on what I've seen, both of them will keep track of, uh, files that you've deleted. Yeah. I think they, uh, bo- accidentally they both accidentally f- or intentionally. So that's a very nice feature of both of them yep. and, and uh, a good part of any
0: backup strategy. Yep, it's true. They both go uh, five layers back. So if you edit a file, it'll keep five iterations old, which is good. Uh, one other thing that I will point out where Dropbox has the leg up, at least currently on SugarSync. But my guess is that we're going to see this change soon is that Dropbox has something called Land sync. Now, what that means is let's say I have a folder full of files that I sync up. Uh, using Dropbox. Well, it's going to, on the first, whatever computer I put it on, it's going to upload all of that to the cloud. And then it's going to notify these other computers and say, Hey, uh, you know, Dropbox will push back down and say, I've got these files for you. And then instead of those files being downloaded back across your internet connection, your computers look to everyone else on the local network and say, Hey, do you have that folder? Cause if you do, Just copy it to me locally here. That way we don't have to waste bandwidth on the internet going up and down. Uh, Really, really, I mean, tricky engineering to get it to work just right and make sure everybody stays in sync. But but it works and Dropbox has done it, SugarSync does not have that yet. Uh, But my guess is it's coming. It's a it's a pretty obvious feature that uh, that, that's a good thing. So there you go. Moving on to uh, timed cloud backup options, John. Continue, brother. Okay. So um, we've talked about these a little bit, but but in a general sense, there are uh, services out in the cloud that allow you to do essentially whole system backups, whereas Dropbox and SugarSync are pointing at data files or folders specifically. Uh, there, there are services, and, and I like to talk about four of them. I'm sure I'm missing something here, but, uh, but they are Mosey, Backblaze, Carbonite, and crash plan. Now, uh, I, I, I prefer, uh, backblaze and Mosey above the other two, simply because their interfaces are far more Mac like, uh, their support is far more Mac like. And, uh, and it just gives me that warm, uh, fuzzy feeling, but, uh, (laughs) but they're, they're all about the same price. Mosey charges, uh, based on storage. So you get 50 gigs from them for about 65 bucks a year. Uh, the rest of them are unlimited for fifty to sixty dollars a year, so uh that you know it pick your pick your poison there depending on how much you have it may or may not be uh it, you may not care uh they're not gonna back up your um they're not gonna back up your system files because there's no reason for that you're not gonna be booting from the cloud right. <laughs> Uh, so you were only talking about data files and preferences and all of that stuff. But, uh, but it, but it is, you know, I mean, it it can be a significant amount of data, but, uh, but it's an easy part. I I like, I like backblaze and Mosey simply because their setup is really, really straightforward. You just kind of run it and it says, I'll figure out what you need and I'll back it up and then you can reconfigure me if you want. Whereas the other ones require a little bit more tweaking. That said, There is one really cool thing about CrashPlan, and this you can get for free, 100% for free, at least in terms of the amount of money you owe CrashPlan. John, you said it would be great to have a hard drive that you give to a trusted friend or colleague, right? Well, what CrashPlan lets you do is uh, back up to your friend's house or your colleague's house Over the internet. So you and I could run crash plan. You could each, We could each put drives at each other's homes and then back up to each other's houses using crash plan. Which is a pretty cool thing. And it doesn't cost it. We would obviously have to buy hard drives, So there is a cost involved. But uh, but crash plan comes free to do that. Cool, huh? Nice. Mm hmm. Yeah, the only one I've used out of
1: the bunch is Carbonite because at one point Opt Online said, "Hey, we got a free Carbonite sign up. What do you think?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." It's still for two gigs of data, and then they suspended it, and I'm like, "Eh, I got enough other options." It's a it's a Java app when I used it it, when I used it. uh, Well, when I used it, I don't think it was a
0: Java app. It always it was. Oh, right. Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. CrashPlan is the Java app. Sorry, sorry right because no yes, carbonite yes, yes. carbonite
1: no i had as a pref pane and yeah for the most part it was like yeah what what folders do you want to back up it had a little menu item and it indicated when it was updating when it ran out of space uh things like that uh, i was uh pretty you know and i even tried as we suggested restoring and no i was pretty happy with carbonite i, yep. I didn't see the only thing that you know, sucked again was that opt online eventually said, well, sorry, we're breaking our deal with carbonite and, uh, you got to pay for it. And right. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Moving on. Or are what we good? is next? Dave? So, uh, one other cloud option is, is Dolly drive. Okay. And, and Dolly drive is actually, it's really cool what they do because they started a little over a year ago, or at least they launched a little over a year ago. My guess is they started long before that to figure out how to do all this. But the first thing that they did and, and basically we did it for the first year of their existence was time machine in the cloud. So uh, they built uh, an engine that would use time machine. I mean, it, it, this was not doing anything where it was emulating time machine. It was actually, you would use time machine to do your backups. You would use time machine to do your restores. But instead of pointing at a local drive, you were pointing at your drive out on Dolly drives cloud server. And so you would log into Dolly drive and do all this other stuff. And then it would, it would do its reconfiguration of time machine and essentially just point time machine up to the cloud and it works. It's awesome if you're, you know, on a uh on a laptop traveling. It's what I use on my on my MacBook Air and uh and it's great. Uh it it just works. Um their pricing is monthly. You can do a 50 gig a month account for 3 bucks or a 250 gig account for 10, I think. And then every month they add storage to everybody's account. They add 5 gigs. So the longer the idea is that if you get enough to start with, uh, as long as you keep paying them, you're going to keep getting more and more storage. And that's the idea. So your, your price should never go up unless your data usage dramatically increases from one month to the next. So that's cool. Now they've added everything else. They've added um, a, a clone ability. They've added the ability to back up to both your dolly drive in the cloud and your normal time machine uh, backup. If you're in your office or your house, they have, Uh, done a a cloud files kind of thing, like a Dropbox sort of thing. They've sort of taken everything that anybody would want to do and bundle it all together. So, uh, so that's definitely worth checking out. Uh, It may, it may be your one-stop shop solution. So throw it out there. Dolly drive. Yeah. Yeah. Have you checked out dolly drive yet, John?
1: I remember I saw them in Macworld and wrote an article about them mm-hmm. saying how great
0: they were, but I actually haven't used them. Then you, then you, yeah, then right. Well, that's how I still, go like and I still
1: have an email in my box from, from them saying, please John, try us out. So yeah, among it's, all the other backup options I use, I, I think I should get, because yeah, I mean, it was quite innovative. It was like, yeah, let's trick time machine into using us instead of a local drive Yep, or a network drive.
0: It's yep. basically what they figured out. And, and it sounds like they did a great job. So, yep. uh, before we jump into the to the next phase, I want to talk about our, our second sponsor here, John, which is Hover uh, at Hover dot com. They are a domain name registrar, and that means they're a place that you can go to register and manage any domain names that you own. So domain names being something like MacGeekGab.com, MacObserver.com, anything like that. Uh, if you run your own website or you have your own email domain, you need to host it at a um you need to you need to manage the domain itself at a registrar and that's what hover does they pride themselves on having very very simple tools and the idea is to limit the fiasco that you have to go through to register a domain name to change a domain name and, and when you're moving your domains to them, they even have this, like, it, it's kind of like a, it, well, it's a tracking system. Like you're tracking a package and it, it's a really easy thing to see through. That's their whole goal. They, they don't try to go crazy upselling you. They just want your business for the domain. And this is all at, uh, at hover.com. They even have uh, what they call no weight phone support. Which means, if you call them between 9 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Time, the phone rings until a human being picks it up, and and they strive not to let it ring long. and And, and my experience has been that's that's actually true. So uh, you want to check this out: Hover dot com, easy domain registration, privacy built in, email management tools. If you want to host your email there, easy to forward your domains and effortless renewals all at hover.com and you can get 10% off using the MGG coupon code. So it's hover.com slash MGG. We'll get you there. Of course, we've got a link in the show notes, but, uh, but you can, you can also just visit there and use the coupon code MGG to get your 10% off. So that's hover.com. All right, John. So we're getting close to the end on this, uh, on this network thing here uh, or on this backup thing here. Really, I guess the last thing to talk about, and we we sort of alluded to it before, is uh, NAS or network attached storage. So why don't you explain what that means, John?
1: I would say what that means is it's a drive that is not connected via USB or Firewire or eSATA or whatever, which I I would call a physical connection, is that it's connected via, you guessed it, a networking protocol. So it's probably going to be an ethernet cable and it's probably going to be TCP IP or some variation thereof. Um, So yeah, I guess that's really the big difference is that it's physically connected in that it's probably a cable between your computer and a router and a device But it's not directly connected. So there's one level of indirection, I
0: guess. So it would be the best way, I would say, to define... Yeah, from a a, technical standpoint. Yeah, certainly, that's exactly what it is. Now, uh, what what that offers you is the ability for multiple users to connect to this storage, right? That's the idea behind NAS. Mm. Definitely. Oh, well,
1: well, well, I I would argue you could share a another drive with other people though, though it gets complicated so it's, it's it's much easier to share a nas drive with right. people than it is for a physically connected though you can certainly share a physically connected drive with other people sure but, but it, no i just want to make a point that out that of the, it, out of the box. NAS, nas drives are meant to to, to do right. this
0: right okay they're always so. on uh they often sure. often but not always often offer some sort of redundancy uh, where you can have multiple drives in the same enclosure and they can protect each other essentially from, uh, from failure. So if one drive dies, your data isn't gone, but that's not all, not all NAS do, do this, but many of them do. And some of them offer additional features, uh, streaming your movies from the NAS, streaming music from the NAS, doing file sharing, uh, time machine, uh, custom time machine configurations. Some of them are even routers, uh, So they, they often have additional features because the way a NAS works is it's essentially a computer and a hard drive all in one box with an Ethernet port yes. and a power cable. So mm-hmm. they might as well offer some other options. Now, we, we talked about some of these recently, like the, the Seagate, the GoFlex uh, stuff. C has its network space. Apple has the time capsule. Now, the time capsule is sort of a weird NAS because it's way more expensive than all the rest. Doesn't offer any redundancy, but does have a router and a wireless uh, access point built in. So, uh, but there there is a benefit to the time capsule over all other NASs. Do you know what that is, John? Mm it's made by apple. <laughs> that's exactly right. So you're guaranteed that your point update of your OS is not going to break your ability to connect to the thing. Yeah. Um and then there's the Drobo, right? The Drobo is another another NAS. Um it does well, the Drobo FS uh is another NAS. The, the standard Drobo it connects to your Mac and is not mm-hmm. technically a, a network attached storage. Yeah. And I believe the Drobo
1: is running uh Linux inside, right? I think that's right. Yeah. So you can add what they call Drobo apps, which give you, uh, like, uh, for example, I tried the other day, I could SSH into my Drobo, mm-hmm. which, dude, that's just kind of cool. You yeah. Can, <laughs> you can do a terminal session and and poke around and see what's going on. But they also offer uh, several other add-ons, mostly open source, that uh, I believe Open uh, offer uh, media server and some other options. Yeah. So that's the benefit of a lot of these, is that they're running... Again, for the most part, Linux or some variation thereof, and uh, they're basically a little computer, so you so you can add applications and do things way beyond it being just a
0: drive. Right, right. Um, so I I don't think we can I don't think we need to go through all the bits and particulars. The one thing with re, with regards to backups, uh, the one thing that you want to do. Is make sure that you understand how your uh, backup destination and specifically with these network attached storage, how it's going to deal with time machine, uh, assuming you're going to use time machine. And and I think it's a good part of your backup strategy uh, because time machine will eat up all the space that is made available to it unless you limit the space that's made available to it. So uh, a lot of these NAS options, in fact. Everyone, this is ironic, everyone that we've mentioned except Apple's Time Capsule let you specify per machine how much space you want to uh, allocate to Time Capsule. And then that's it. It, You know, if you've got a one terabyte uh, drive or one terabyte of storage on your NAS, you can say, hey, look, I only want to give my uh, time machine for my MacBook Pro uh, 200 gigabytes. And then that's it. Once it hits 200, your MacBook pros time machine will just start recycling that space and kind of killing off old backups and, um, and, and, and only keeping the new stuff. So, so that can be a really handy thing. And it really is kind of a problem if you're using a time capsule um, with, with anything that's going to fill it up because it, it, like I said, it, you know, time machine will just eat everything. And, and that can be, that can be a problem over time, especially. So that's what I throw out there, John.
1: Well, at that point, you know, and I think we touched upon it, but at that point when I had a time machine backup where it did a huge, or or the, the first several initial backups were large. And the problem is when it's purging, so basically it's purging either a folder or a sparse bundle. Yep. I found that in some cases it would take hours. Mm, to purge that data. Yeah, you mentioned that. So when you get to the point where Time Machine, if you indicate, and you can do this, of course, if you go to the Time Machine, if you go to System Preferences, Time Machine, and there is a little checkbox, I think, uh, under Options. Let me see if my memory's right. Yes, there's a little box that says notify after old backups are deleted. So you can ask Time Machine to tell me, okay, tell me when you're starting to purge old backups before you add new ones at that point i would argue that you probably want to or maybe you want to back up that file first somewhere else and then wipe it out because uh, my my observation is at that point the efficiency goes way down because it's spending most of its time getting rid of the old stuff rather than doing
0: any useful work you you mentioned that recently i i have not experienced that i'd be curious how many how many listeners because clearly one of us is in the minority here you know, uh, because I, it, I, it may be happening to me, but I'm not noticing and feeling like it's causing a lot of problems okay. that Time Machine is recycling. And here's the thing. Time Machine is recycling on every one of my Macs. I am filled up, uh, especially really? on my time yeah. capsule. Yeah, I got six Macs that back up to my time capsule. It, You know, it's mm. constantly re- regurgitating. Okay. So, yeah. I
1: suspect your backups are... Uh, what I'm going to guess here is that your backups are... Small enough from a differential point of view that th- when it's purging them, it doesn't take a long amount of time. That's probably the nature correct. of my backups are different. So
0: yeah, all right, yeah, where
1: all right. So going
0: here, we're 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 on to where we uh, we get to tell our listeners now what it is that we use, and and I, if if you want me to go first, I'll go first. Otherwise, you go first. Uh, here's what I do. Go okay.
1: So, Time Machine. So I have a MacBook Pro and a Mac Mini. I do time machine to my Drobo. Drobo FS. I allocated, I believe, for my MacBook, which has a lar- larger hard drive, I allocated a one terabyte or one gigabyte. No, oh, did I do one gig or one no? I'm ter- sorry. One terabyte. one terabyte, wow. one terabyte partition. And for the mini, which has a relatively smaller hard drive, I allocated a five hundred um gig partition. So the Drobo, I trust for my time machine. The one thing I do is that I meter the amount of time that I run time machine using something that uh, Dave uses as well, I know. Uh, the one problem I have with time machine is that it it's very aggressive in that I feel hourly backups are <laughs> insane. So yeah. there's a program called Time Machine Editor where you basically, it it fiddles with some files deep in the in the OS. You have to turn off time machine, but then it schedules them. I schedule my backups uh, on my mini once a day on my MacBook Pro, which is my day-to-day machine every four hours. Because the thing is, I found when it was doing it every hour, the machine would always be running because it was doing it wirelessly. So I do that. Uh, I do Dropbox. I back up my documents folder to Dropbox. I also use Sugar Sync to back up both my mini and my MacBook Pro document folders. Um, there are two services that that I've dabbled with, but I'm uh, I really haven't dove into too much. So one is Pogo Plug, which is kind of interesting because uh, yeah. and we mentioned them in the last show. Uh, Buffalo, I guess, uses them as a, a foundation for some of their products, but Pogo Plug is kind of a weird hybrid in that they offer a cloud service, but they also offer a Sync to my Pogo plug approved device connected to my computer service. Uh, So I got to say, I haven't really delved into Pogo plug too much, but they may be worth looking at. And then box.com I glommed onto because they had a special at one point where they said, Hey, if you have an iDevice and you sign up with us, you get 50 gigs of cloud storage. And I'm like, yay, that's cool. The problem is as far as I can tell, their Mac software, their, their desktop software can't handle uploading anything beyond a very small subset of that 50 gigabytes. So to me, it was almost useless. And, you know, I got to write to these guys. Maybe I'm just not figuring out their software, but I, I tried to take, you know, a big blob of data, you know, to upload to the supposed 50 gigabyte that they gave me. And it said, Oh, oh, oh sorry, files are too big. Can't do that. So, which, Maybe I wait, just didn't. I, I'm confused. Which box, service? Box.com. Box. Oh, .com.
0: okay. Yeah, they Well, it used they to be limit-
1: Box.net, and now they're Box.com. So, so they, uh, okay. So I think what you're telling me, they limit the per upload or per day- I
0: think limit- they upload the file. They limit the file size, but your overall storage, I mean, they limit your overall storage to 50 gigs, but I think the file size is like 100 megs or something like
1: that. Right, okay. So that's what I ran into because I wanted to copy a folder, which- you know, was several gigabytes and they said, Hey, you got 50. I'm like, cool. And then they said, up, oh, 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 the files are are over the size. So, yeah. uh, and it could be because I'm going for the cheapskate option. I, I think if you pay them, they will allow you to, to uh, exceed this limit. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just not grokking their value in the whole space here, right. but <laughs> Right. Other than that, and then the other things I use, a uh, carbon copy cloner, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I love. And then, um,
0: but do you, but one, you don't use, uh, you don't clone regularly. No. Okay.
1: No, only if I'm replacing
0: a drive. Sure.
1: Like I mentioned, I'm doing a review, and you know, I'm replacing my my rotational with an SSD. Otherwise, I I know it's not good practice, but no, I I do not do regular full backups of my right drives in my main machines, and I probably should. Um, the one piece of software I'll mention that I do like using for peeking into my backups is something called time tracker from Charles soft. Mm. Charles soft does uh, all sorts of other wonderful things, but um, this is a utility that lets you peek into your time machine backup because the one downside or probably the biggest downside I would say with time machine is you don't know what the heck it backed up. So this uh, and Dave, uh, I think you'll mention uh, something else you like, which is nicer but, um, Charles soft also does, uh, some other software like pacifist and some other utilities that we really like. So that's pretty
0: much my cool. gig. All right. Go. Uh, yeah. So my, my setup is similar. Uh, it, it starts with time machine. Uh, I like you on most of my machines. I, I use time machine editor to slow it down. Um, I realized that I have not done that on my, on my iMac in the office, but I run an SSD on that. And so backups don't really, I don't notice when they're happening. uh, So it doesn't really bother me. I'm either backing up to a time capsule or the Drobo FS. And the way I choose is, uh, as I've mentioned before, my house and my office are on the same property, but are separated. And we have ethernet running underground. Uh, In the house is the time capsule. And in the office is the Drobo FS. So the way I do it is, everything in the office backs up to the time capsule and everything in the house backs up to the Drobo FS. So I do have, you know, some level of if the office burns, all the data is in the house. And if the house burns, all the data is in the office kind of setup. up, um, you know, and chances are they wouldn't both burn simultaneously unless we had a huge forest fire, in which case I have another solution for that. So that that's time machine. Then I have a nightly automated super duper clone of my, uh, iMac in the office and that happens at 6 30 p.m. every night and it clones it actually clones to a drive internal i haven't when i ordered that iMac i got the ssd and then i also got a one terabyte uh, drive that goes internal to it at one terabyte or two terabyte i can't remember i think it might be two uh but whatever i partitioned that off and i made a partition that's the same size as the 256 meg or gig ssd and i let Uh, Super duper clone that every night. Then I use sugar sync for all my user documents. What this means is if I, uh, so my clone happens at six 30. If I go back to my previous example uh, at noon, my drive dies, right? So now I boot from my clone, but my clone is old as of six 30 the night before. It doesn't have any of the stuff that I've worked on in the morning, but because I save all of my documents to a folder that's, synced immediately with SugarSync. And because I use IMAP for all of my email, basically as soon as I start that clone up, it syncs with SugarSync, pulls down all the stuff it doesn't have, i.e. all the stuff that I worked on that morning. And as soon as I launch mail, it pulls down all the mail that's on the server because it's IMAP and that's just how it works. So my daily clone really kind of is able to get up and running immediately with all of my data as of, you know, whenever the last time I hit save was, essentially. So that's that. Um, and then it, I use um, Backblaze on my iMac to back up to the cloud. And I use uh, Dolly Drive on my MacBook Air to back up to the cloud so that it's constantly doing it, even if I'm traveling. And then I learned a very valuable lesson, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a difference between a backup and an archive. And I highly recommend that everyone out there strongly consider doing an archive. Uh, it's funny. I, I did a presentation on backups. Um, I, I cooked it together, I guess, last April for uh, when I went down and spoke in uh, in New Jersey. And, and for those of you that are, are within driving distance of, Br- of Princeton, New Jersey, I'm going to be there on uh, again this April. Uh, I'm getting the date here cause I didn't really think about this ahead of time. It is April 10th, the night of Tuesday, April 10th. I'll be presenting at PMUG there and I'll have more details for you, but put that on your calendar. We'd love to see you and it's free uh, and all the good, all that good stuff. So, uh, I put together this uh, presentation on backups and that was great. And then I was going to rehash it for, uh, Macworld Expo and, and it went to update it and I couldn't find the file. I thought, well, this is weird. And then I couldn't find the folder that had the file in it. And I couldn't find the folder that had all of my presentations in it. And I couldn't even find the folder that had all that stuff in it, which had everything that I ever had to do with my consulting business and all of that stuff. It was gone. Now, it's easy to delete a folder, right? I mean, it happens all the time. So I thought, well, okay, I must have deleted it. So I went to Time Machine. No, it's not there. Backups don't go back far enough. You know, I've only got six months of backups and I don't have it. And then I remembered that when I moved to my iMac from my MacBook Pro, I took a copy of my MacBook Pro's hard drive and I just cloned it and saved it off to the Drobo. Now I did this because I wanted to repurpose that machine for somebody else in the family. And I didn't want to have to make them wait for me to be sure I had pulled all my data off. So I figured, well, I'll just make a clone of the drive and then I can pull data off the clone whenever I want without tying up the computer. Thank goodness I had done that. I went back to that that clone, which at this point has now become my archive, right? And there was the folder. And so I copied it over and everything was good to go. Had I not done that, I don't know that I, I don't think I have that data anywhere else. So now I do quarterly disk images as an archive. These, you know, backups change. Time machine, the backup changes as we talked about. It rotates through. Backups are current archives are frozen in time. So now I have archives of every quarter and i actually, I'm actually looking for a better way to do this. And and I might try data backup to see if that will do it for me. The problem with doing an archive with disk utility is uh, that you have to do, it won't, I can't get it to do an archive of my boot drive. So I either have to boot from another drive and archive, or I can archive my clone, which in theory is my data. And that's what I've been doing But I don't really like that. I'd like to archive my actual boot drive. Um, So if anybody has an idea as to how to do that in an automated way without having to reboot from another disk, I'd love to hear it. So that's what I do. That's the last thing. I didn't mention this, but I'm going to mention
1: it. So another device that I use is the Lexar. So provided uh, as a courtesy by Mm -hmm. Lexar. Thank you. But I have a Lexar Echo MX backup drive, which is a 16 gigabyte flash drive now that's probably not remarkable though it's a usb drive it has a little uh capacity meter on it with uh using uh, e-ink technology but it comes with backup software so here's the cool part you shove this in your computer and if you set out the backup software it will look at either well it will look at folders that you defined and basically suck them out of your computer and put them on the usb flash drive so just cool. another redundancy. So, if your house burns down and and a meteor hits your backup site, if you have this in your pocket, <laughs> you've done a backup. But I thought it was a very nice feature. It's a, it's a very uh, a very nice flash drive. It's it's fast and it has an indicator and it comes with backup software. So, that that's yet another thing you may want to consider. They they're not the only one that offers this, but this is the one that I've I've used and uh and I like it. So, cool.
0: All right. I know we've been going for uh, an hour and mm, plus yeah. here, but uh, but I want to do a couple of cool stuff. Founds, John. Right. Doesn't hurt. Go, brother. Couple. All right. Uh, so it never hurts. <laughs> no. The first one I want to uh, talk about. I think it was Bob Levitis when I was down in Austin that turned me on to this. If it, if it was Bob, thank you. Uh, if it wasn't uh, Bob, thank you. Um, it's called Calabricam. And it's at collabricam.com, but it's, it's actually found in the app store. It's, it's three bucks and it's for your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, What it does is it allows you to set up one device as the master, and then you can have up to four other devices that are remote cameras and they all feed into the master. So in theory, you could set up like your iPad as the master and then have a bunch of iPod touches or iPhones or, or even iPads with their cameras all feeding in and now the video is all synced up and and you essentially are controlling the cameras live and mixing them live and you can even record it and then create this multi-camera video shot uh, with software that cost you $3. So it's pretty cool. Really, really easy to use and uh, and it's even got stuff so that the person who's directing can send uh, without speaking you can send com- like uh, commands to the, the people that are that are using the, uh, the, the each of the remote cameras. So you could say, like, uh, look, uh, camera number two pan up. Right. And It'll put a little thing on the display that says pan up. And so presumably the person is watching that and pans up for you and then you can switch to another one. It's really cool stuff. And it's amazing that we've got this technology now for I mean, we have to buy the hardware. But once you've got the hardware, it's, you know, three dollars for the app. So pretty cool. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, good, John. Good. Yeah, it's fun. Give me, give me I, one. I showed, uh, I showed the, I showed it to the kids, and they weren't. They actually weren't all that impressed. But, uh, nah, kids these days are so jaded with the.
1: You told me your what your daughter just got the new fan. Come on. Yeah, it takes a lot to impress kids these days, right? It totally does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so we thought talking over the internet, you know. Oh, remember From point to point across the world was cool. And they're like, "Bah,
0: Skype, big deal. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Now, now we do it every week and we don't think about it. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, uh, something that Andrew, uh, sent mm-hmm. in and he said, uh, you Ooh. had a discussion about connecting something to something for sound via Bluetooth. Uh, I've had this device for a year and it's awesome. It's called the connects K A N E X air blue. Uh, it's a portable Bluetooth music receiver and you can find it for about 35 bucks on Amazon. Uh, he says, I use it. It sits in my car and connects to my heart cars, hidden audio import, uh, which is a lot of cars have headphone audio imports that are like in the glove box or, you know, in the center console or something. And he says, uh, it'll, it enables me to send audio music, RSS radio, Stitcher, Pandora, anything I want wirelessly from my iPhone to my car stereo without wires. Uh, the battery is rechargeable and lasts about 10 hours, and it comes with a lead for the lighter socket. So you can use it in the, in the car, as I do, Andrew says, or you can use it at home into a stereo if you don't have a wireless network and use AirPlay. Or you can carry it anywhere with non-Bluetooth portable speakers like the Apple iPod Hi-Fi that I have. So, yeah, this actually, it's funny, i had, I had forgotten about this, and I was talking to my daughter yesterday. She's got a set of speakers in her room, and she walked over and plugged her iPod into it. And I thought, hey, wait a minute, or actually plugged her iPhone into it. And uh, and I started thinking, you know, we need to find a Bluetooth way of doing this so that it's just plugged in there all the time. And then you can stream to it uh, without having to to plug in. So this would be the uh, this would be the device to do it. Thirty five bucks. There you go. Got time for uh, for
2: one more, John. <sighs> I suppose. <laughs> all right.
0: Let's uh, let's go to an audio comment here.
2: Hello, John and Dave. Sam from the Netherlands here. I apologize, I have a bit of a cold. Uh Anyway, I've been listening to your last show where you mentioned uh, a program called Reflection App that allows you to do uh, mirroring from your iDevice uh, to your uh, Mac machine. I've been using another program, which has been out uh, for a while now. It's called AirServer, and it allows you to do... um exactly the same thing, uh, mirroring from your iDevice uh, to your Mac machine as well as uh, AirPlay and I believe it's much cheaper I paid uh, $3.99 for the mirroring functionality and $3.99 for the AirPlay functionality which is still much cheaper than the $14.99 uh, price tag for reflection app so uh, I hope you like it, I hope this benefits your listeners and thank you keep up the good work so uh, i did try this
0: uh and i bought it actually yesterday cuz i was playing around with it uh, it now is 14.99 for air server but uh but it worked i i found it worked sm- even smoother than um than the reflection app it it just the way it did the full screen stuff uh i was able to play right on my tv and uh with my ipad or my iphone so uh so yeah cool stuff definitely definitely uh very interesting to be able to stream your iPad or your iPhone 4. So it's got to be iPad 2 or iPad 3 in order to do the mirroring or an iPhone 4s. Everything anything else doesn't uh doesn't have the juice to uh to make that happen. Uh, horsepower wise. Mm. Yeah. But it's fun. It's cool playing games full screen up on the uh up on the big screen. John, I think that's uh That's our cue that it's time to to wrap this thing up. So we hope you you appreciated our deep dive here into backups. Obviously, uh, if you have any thoughts, any questions, anything to add, any tips, send them in. We'll be here next week. We'll show uh, 389. Right? Do I have that right? I think I do.
1: They could but, do, but Dave, where could they send these tips in if if our listeners were so inclined to give us tips or suggestions or cool stuff found or whatever?
0: Well, where would they send it? The first place I would recommend sending this stuff is feedback at MacGeekGab.com via email. You know, you never get this right, man. You screwed it up. It's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's, that's right. I'm sorry, John. I meant feedback at MacGeekGab.com. <laughs> <laughs> Yavo.
1: Or you can pick up the telephone And if you still have a telephone Whether it be landline or battlefield Or cell or uh, I don't know what other types of phones there are Then you probably want to pick it up And on the keypad you want to punch in two zero six 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 geek Which
0: is Yeah if you don't know uh, what geek is It's 4335 And that's 4335 in geek phone speak Not Not DTMF stuff though Right John I don't recall the specific Hertz
1: tone measurements for those numbers, okay. but I could find them while you're vamping. No, no, no people no, don't care about that. We don't care no, about that that those
0: anymore. days are long gone. That's right. That's Let's right. not even talk about blue boxing. I had to Shall explain we? what my, my son, my 10 year old, is reading the Steve Jobs bio. And so yeah. the, the other day, uh, I had to explain <laughs> blue boxing and LSD to him. So that it was good. It was, a, it was actually a great I, little discussion. Uh, I, I'll admit that I dabbled in blue boxing. Dabbling hey. is good.
1: Uh, you got to learn about this did, stuff somewhere, did, man. Did I? I don't know if I'd say I got caught. I, I was given a, uh, I was given a finger shake, a strong finger shake. Let's say that. Oh, there you go. Uh, wouldn't you agree? I would. Yeah. They stopped by and they said, please don't do this anymore.
0: That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, blue boxing. Oh, what fun. Oh, yeah, gosh. The, the Apple 2e with the Apple cat was, uh, was the way to
1: me Cat's meow. It. That was my software of choice. <laughs> and then my friend up the street had a Commodore 64 and uh, they had their own software to do the same thing. That's right. That's right. Read up on it, folks. Blue Boxing. Great stuff. It was not about stealing service. It was about navigating the
0: phone network. That, that's how That's and what I explained sticking to my to it. son. No, no, no. It's true. I mean, it, you know, I said to him, he's like, wow, that's really weird. He's like that they did that. I said, well, you have to understand uh, There, there was a, a mentality of wanting to communicate, figure out the system at some level figure out how to beat the system right but it, it was not about stealing as the the main no. goal it, it was about beating the system and, and then communicating with all these other people I explained to them you know we, we didn't have the internet like we do now where it's easy to talk to people all over the world this was a kind of a new thing and, and, and so it was you know that's how it was yeah yeah. It was. Yeah. And in addition to the telephone, you can
1: use this newfangled internet thing and and visit us at MacGeekGab.com.
0: That's right. For the lovingly handcrafted show notes, you can also Skype us to MacGeekGab. I think that's that's good enough, right, John? We, we've given them enough options to find us.
1: Well, I don't know. I we'll mean, gi- we'll give you more. New, and- well, there's this newfangled Twitter thing, and if you want to Twitter us... Um, my uh, arguably somewhat personal feed,
0: uh, well, <laughs> I won't go into the, I won't go out down this rabbit hole, Dave. He's but John I'm John. John. I'm Dave Hamilton. The other guy that's not here right now is Pilot Pete. The show is Mac Geek Cab and Mac Observer is the feed where you get all the article links from, uh, from TMO all day long.
1: And finally, Facebook, another place where you can go to find out what's happening with the show and the show notes, facebook.com slash Mac
0: all right, folks, that'll do it. We'd like to thank Michael Johnston from the We Have Communicators podcast for converting this to AAC. Thanks, Michael. We'd also like to thank Cashfly uh, for all the bandwidth. And in the podcast marketplace, of course, we've got uh, VMware and Hover uh, with your MGG coupon codes for 10% off. BB Edit from Barebone Software. Gazelle to sell all your hardware. And don't forget about PDF Pen from Smile. It's awesome. Last but not least, as John said, it's very important. Don't get caught.
2: <laughs> Made up.